Welcome to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast, all about real estate investing in the Calgary market. And now your host, Corey Peckford. Hey guys, on today's show, I had the pleasure of speaking with Chris Prefontaine. Chris is a real estate investor, podcaster, writer, and coach. Having a limited amount of time to interview him, I tried to cover as much ground as possible. Chris had to recover from the 2008 real estate crash. This caused him to reassess and pivot his real estate investing strategies. He now teaches his students how to buy real estate on your terms. He also has a three payday system that he's trademarked. And if your goal is to leave your W2, he also can set you up for success on how to become a full-time investor. I think you'll enjoy the show. Hey, Chris, I uh, just want to welcome you to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time today to be on the show. Can you start off maybe just by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and what's keeping you busy these days? Yeah, sure. I'll do my 32 years in like two or three minutes. So, you know, <laughs> okay, everybody. good luck with that. Yeah, so I've been at this since the early 90s, did a bunch of building, home building, and then actually put my broker hat on, bought a Realty Executives franchise, had never done that, sold it to Colwell Banker in 2000. And then from 2000 to the 08 crash, that's when I had, I was just telling you off here, about 48 or so clients throughout Canada. They okay. weren't investors like we do now. They were all realtors with GCI, gross commission income upwards of one and two million. So they more needed work on not volume, but their life and their organization and all that. They were a mess. And then the OE crash hit. And that's what kind of made us re-engineer the whole business and put us where we are today, Corey. Meaning we came out of that and said, okay, that wasn't fun. So what are we going to do here? One was we won't use banks anymore. We won't use a bunch of our cash anymore. And as much as we can help it, transact real estate where you're getting paid once. I wanted to get off that treadmill of like do a deal, I get paid. It was good money, but the new ways that we trademarked is three paydays. And so that's what we're doing as far as deals. We do them as a family in the New England area in the US. And then we teach that in our smart real estate coach business. We teach that to clients all over North America. So we teach them to buy the same way I just said, no banks, zero to little down, buy everything on terms, creative financing. Well, that's awesome. And then, so can you just maybe speak to what happened? Did you have a portfolio? What were you doing prior to 2008? Yeah, my own deals. After I sold the coal bank, I was just working on my own deals. So that would be, we were doing heavy condominium conversions then where we pick up a four, six or eight or 10 unit and we converted to condominiums. Those are going great till literally like a light switch was thrown in February of 08 and everything stopped. Okay. Was it like the Burr strategy on like apartment buildings? So what were you doing? Were you kind of doing no, refinancing? Oh, so we had a bunch of stuff. We had mixed use commercial going on. We had the condominium conversions would be like this. Say we bought a three unit. We would buy the three unit as a multi. Then we would do the necessary legal and engineering work to turn it into condominium. So, you, you know, you do the master condominium documents, make sure it's a condo. So now you can sell three units off. So we didn't keep them. We sold those units off to home buyers that wanted a small condo in that building. You know, rough numbers. We'd buy something for, I can remember a couple of deals, 280 grand, throw about 70 grand at it for rehab, paint, spruce it up, engineering, legal. And then we'd probably sell off those units for like 150 a piece. You know, that's an example of how good the condo conversion market was. Yep. And then once 08 hit, obviously we know the crash happened. And then what happened to your business and how long did it take you to kind of bounce back from that? Yeah, painfully four years, February of 08 to February of 12. And Every one of the 23 properties that I was signed on personally, I had either work out, foreclosure, sell, you know, short sale, whatever. Every one of them had to be worked out and took a while. And then the mental game, it just took a while to get out of that, you know. And then by yeah. 12, we started back redesigning, re-engineering. We, it was just me at the time. And then the family came on board. 
I see. And then personally, obviously, that would be a lot of stress on you for that time period. Because right. I mean, now you've built a great business, that kind of thing. But in, during that time, it must have been a lot of stress, sleepless nights, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, 100%. So the best thing that happened was that, but you couldn't have convinced me of that back then, right? Because that happened now, we're all of North America, we've got associates doing deals, we revenue share with them, and we're actually poised for this market that's kind of crazy right now in US and Canada. Oh, that's great. Did you have to like sell assets of your own personally during that time? happened like just on that more of a personal yeah we actually had downsized from a gorgeous property looking over the water into a 900 square foot apartment wow 900 square feet so yeah yeah it was a humbling experience but it was you know my wife and i married 37 years this year it was a fun experience we made it fun and then we rebuilt everything our business this year just hit well ending 22 just hit the inc 5000 fastest growing companies for the third year in a row so we're doing some cool things with students to make that happen yeah, that's a powerful story, a journey that you've experienced to have that kind of success, have it taken away, and then basically have to rebuild and, and change your strategy, right? Yeah, there's uh, people that still have their head in the sand. If you probably run into them too at events or whatever, they'll come up and say, yeah, you know, but this happened in a way. I get it. It happened to me, but you got to change something to change that, right? You got to get out of that. Yeah. So your new strategy, your new way of doing business, it's more strategic and it's safer. Is it for you as an investor and for your people that are in your program? Yeah, for sure. So we only buy three ways, Corey. One is owner financing, or I know in Canada, vendor hold back, or however you guys phrase it. Vendor take back, yeah. Take back, lease purchase, and then subject to existing financing. Those are the three ways we buy. And I know there was a gentleman I was on his show up in Canada. I think it's Dubot, Dave Dubot. Yeah, he's been doing that for like 30 years up there. And so the strategies work. They work everywhere. There are small nuances in every market. I could go you know, to an island and do it, but the nuances, right? Basically, it's the same concept. Actually, Dave was on my show not too long ago. Was he? He's a he good was. Guy. He's a really good guy. Yeah. You've been hanging out for a while. Oh, have you? Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. We're trying to move fast. I know you're limited on time, but could you just maybe just give a quick high level view of what does a subject to financing look like and how do you go about kind of maybe finding one, someone that actually would work with you on one? Yeah. So any one of these deals, how we find them, Corey, is just, especially when someone's new, expired listings that didn't sell with a realtor for sale by owner listings that are trying on their own. And for rent by owner people, you know, doing a for rent ad. After that, we do look for a homeowner, for example, there's all kinds of niche lists, but we look for out of the area owners. So they own a property in say a different county and that they live in and that it's free and clear. So there's no debt. Those are just how we find properties. Now, as far as the sub two, for the listeners that might not know, just I don't go too far. Subject two just means I'm going to buy Corey's home and the loan's going to stay in place. He's still a guarantor on it. I own the property. Title goes to your name. Is that right? Correct. Oh, yeah. However, I put it in like a land trust or, or LLC. Yeah, it goes to us. Yep. Okay. And the loan stays in their name. Now, who is the type of person, unlike the free and clear owner, right? No mortgage. Unlike that person, the person more prone to do subject to is who? Probably someone that has financial stress. And yep. they want you to take care of it yesterday. It's, it's like, you know, I have car payments. I have all this stress. I have a mortgage. And I want it gone. I pain. I need it, you know, something to take the pain away, right? 100%. Yeah. Like... Recent one, I'll give you a real example. So we had a divorce couple not too far from here. It was one of our deals, not a student. And they were like $4,100 in arrears, not too crazy. Luckily, they called us early enough, but they weren't talking. It was not an amicable divorce. So we had to catch up their arrears and deal with both of them and then buy the property subject to their loan. And one was on the deed and one was on the loan. So it got mm -hmm. a little wonky. Yep. Now in the US, you guys can lock in a mortgage for up to 30 years, is that right? Like you can, yeah. Obviously, that helps in this strategy because they wouldn't have to be up for renewal maybe anytime soon. Is that right? You're right. So commercial acts like some of your loans here. Commercial is like every five years, they take a look at it and renew or not. 
and change yep. rates and all kinds of things. But yes, the sub two purchase method is phenomenal right now because our rates are back up to high sixes, let's say, but not too long ago, they were twos and threes. Mm-hmm. So we can actually buy them with those loans in place. And some of them are fixed to your point. Those are unbelievable right now because you're not going to see that again, probably. That's right. Wow. Like leveraging off of, you know, previous interest rates. Yeah. 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 I'm talking like even this week, the students, I had some student deals come across. We have a, a law professor at a university in Pennsylvania who joined our community to do deals. She just sees a real estate law professor and she joined us in her very first deal, like in 30 days was a sub two with a 3.2 rate. So congrats, but it's not like you're going to get that every month, but good job. You know? <laughs> you're not going to hit it out of the park every time, right? Yeah. Okay. And then we call it vendor take back, but it's owner financing. Can you maybe describe a scenario, come across those and, and people that might be motivated to do them? Yep. I love these. And I'm going to, I'll give you some metrics that are crazy strong financially. So this person is more prone to do what? They want their price. Like this building I'm standing in, Corey, for our companies, I bought this exactly the way I'm going to explain now is free and clear owner. And we can structure any term we want as long as we give them their price. So here's what we do. We structure principal only payments with the owners. So we have no problem giving them their price. Why? Because we're going to get principal pay down every month. The inverse relationship to a mortgage, right? Usually it's all interest at the beginning. Yeah. So those are beautiful. And here's some metrics for these. Just three criteria. When you find a house about $200,000 or higher, that's most markets you can find that purchase price. And you structure at least a 48 month term, four years. And then you structure at least a $1,000 monthly principal payment. By the way, our trademark three paydays work. That's a six figure deal. Within four years, six figures, the way our paydays work. That's strong. Can you break that down just a little bit more? How does that work out to six figures? Yeah. So I'll give you an example. We bought a home for a 183.9. I remember the specific number. $932 a month principal only payments with the owner. He was free and clear. He said, I want 183.9. We said, great, $932 a month we came up with for a payment. We did a four-year term. How do we get to the three payments and how does it all work? We put in the home a buyer who needs time to get financing. Could be they changed jobs, they started their own business, the bank needs to see history of two years. Could be they had a credit ding, they had a problem in their life, now they're back on their feet. We help them get mortgage ready. While they're in the home, though, they come in with a down payment. That's payday one. That averages somewhere 25 to 28 grand, depending on the sales price. In our area, it's kind of low. Second payday, so that's upfront money. Second payday is continuous money. And how it works is I'm paying that 932, right? A month to the owner, just like I would pay a bank. I'm collecting 1500 in this particular deal. So that's, you know, 500 something dollars cash flow every month. Every property ranges between 300 and 1000. And then payday three is really cool because if you think about this, what did I say? I said $932 a month principal. So it's almost 12 grand a year coming off that. We did this for four years. Yep. And we marked the price up to about two and a quarter, 229 from the 183. Yep. So payday three is the markup and all of that 932 accumulated per month. That house went over six figures easy. Yeah, that's amazing. And actually in a fairly short window of time too. Yeah, four years is good for owner financing deals. I don't like to go sooner because then if my buyer in there, remember, is on a rent-to-own program, they just need time. I don't want to go too tight with the seller and then be under the gun to try to have to close it if my buyer's dragging their feet, getting a mortgage. So we make sure we give ourselves a buffer. I like in this market, five to 10 years. Do you ever have people say, well, no, because if I took this money and I put it in the bank, I'm going to collect interest on it. I want more than principal only. Yeah. Yeah, so here's what we did in the building. Creative financing is exactly that. It's kind of cool you can keep pivoting. So in this building, he was one of the larger landowners in the area. He's not new to real estate. He loved the idea of the owner financing. When I said principal only, he nearly fell off his chair because he was used to interest. So <laughs> yeah, here's yeah. what we did. We did 18 months of principal only. So I got a really cool benefit. And then the balance at that time, after all that pay down, we took and amortized it like he wanted. 
over 30 years with a 20 year balloon at 5.2%. I see. That was in okay. 2018. That's actually a good rate back then. Now it'd be a super good rate, but it was fair on both sides. It's a 20 year deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you said that this is sometimes you come across this because someone wants to they have a price in mind and obviously they don't need the cash. Maybe they have multiple assets. Exactly. And so they've got a bit of a portfolio and they're okay with you know payments, right? Getting some money back. Or like this guy was a little different. He thought his son was going to take the building. His son moved to Chicago and became a lawyer. And I think he knew he was sick. He since passed away. But I think what he didn't want is he wanted his wife and his son to get a check versus trying to run a property. Yep. And it was smart. So he set them up nice. So it's usually for estate planning or tax reasons they do that. Avoiding like capital gains, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, I do it over time. Yeah. And then how would you pitch that to someone? Like, is it a property that maybe that's been sitting on the market, days on markets a long time? Because you may have a realtor that kind of has, you know, been involved too. Like, so then you got to talk to them. So how would you go about maybe pitching this idea of owner financing? Sure. Actually, any one of the three ways we buy, here's what we do. And by the way, with the realtor thing, we don't go on on-market properties. We don't deal with them. Okay, you're devoid those. If they call us, because a lot of people know now what we do, they'll call and refer something they couldn't sell or they'll refer a buyer they couldn't get qualified, but we don't go looking for them with them. So here's the conversation with a seller. It doesn't matter if they're free and clear or not. Where are you going? Like, what's the reason for moving? If it's residential, where are you going? But in this case, what's going on? Tell me why you're selling. How soon do you want it done? And what if it doesn't happen? Because they all think they can sell it on their own or sell it with a realtor. So when you ask those questions, usually you find out the motivation, right? In the case of this guy, he literally said to me, Chris, I have a sign out front that says for sale by owner, owner financing. Yet I have realtors knocking on my door telling me they have buyers that want to pay cash. He said, I don't want it. I don't want to get paid off. It says owner financing on the sign. Like he, he says, they just don't get it. Yeah, so yeah. his issue was what? Estate planning and taxes. Exception for taxes when you have your primary residence, at least in the US. If you're not in your house for two out of the last five years, you don't get an exclusion. You get taxed on your profit. So sometimes homeowner will be out of the house for three years and say to me, oh, I got to transfer the deed somehow. They'll either do owner financing or sub two. My point is, we're not ever trying to convince or pitch or sell. What we're doing is listening and go, what's their problem or challenge? Or in this guy's case, what are they trying to accomplish that the market didn't give them? So it's either they're accomplishing a goal, free and clear people, or they got a problem, sub two people. Yeah, that makes sense. And solve. Because obviously you're well-known in industry. Do you ever have realtors reach out and say, look, I found a deal. It's underwater. These people are struggling financially and they know you're an expert. So they just basically bring you something like that, a deal like that. We do. Yeah, there's a guy in one state over from us who literally today is selling one of our students' homes because he'll refer us deals that he can't sell and he doesn't want to learn what we do. Some realtors do, but he doesn't want to. He said, I'll give it to you guys. And then when we have a sale that we might do conventionally instead of rent home, we call him. So it's a nice relationship. We'll probably get three or four deals a year just from that. And our deals, to give you an average number, across North America, low of 45,000, high of 250,000 as far as all three paydays. Those are big numbers. You know, you don't need to do a whole bunch of deals, most people, to go ahead and replace job income or whatever you want to do. Yeah. So we call it rent to own, but I think you said it's a lease holdback. So we actually know rent to own is how we do the buyer side. You're exactly right. correct. Okay. When we buy it, we call it a lease purchase. It's very similar. It's just a little more binding, for like basically saying we're going to buy this on it before the date. And all we're going to do is have our tenant buyer buy it from the rent to own program. Yeah. So that's a separate program. And then how are you monitoring to make sure these people, you know, you have a client that is going to put this money down, that they're going to qualify and maybe keep their finances, you know, everything in check as they go along yeah. through the program? This is a big question because most people who teach this, you probably heard them on podcasts, they do it publicly. They say, well, rent to own, I put my buyers in, I don't care if they cash out. And then I put another buyer in and get another check. You know, they say that openly, but morally and ethically, it stinks. It's not setting the buyer up to win. My yep. son, Nick handles all the buyers. He's fine tuned the system to a T. 
So he has them go through an underwriting process with the third-party credit repair company who looks at their debt to income, looks at why they got into trouble or if they just need time. They come back with a mortgage-ready plan, Corey, in a date. So we know, okay, this will fit within our terms with this seller. And if they do everything they're supposed to, we watch it on a portal so we can see online if they drop out of the program, they're in default. Very important. And then they get mortgage ready way before the date if they do it right. If they slip a little bit, we give a buffer in our dates to allow that. Oh, I see. Yeah. That, it's great with the technology too, where you can probably get that real-time data. Exactly. Yeah, right, right in the portal. Yep. Yeah, to see what's going on with each one. And there's probably like an alarm that goes off and says, look, this person's out. They alert us. The company actually alerts us and says, hey, this person dropped out. Give them a call because they are in default unless they have a solution that we didn't know about, we call them. That's awesome. And then when you have people around you, other professionals, how important is it to have, you know, say your students finds one of these and you're working with them and they approach a lawyer to help them out and that lawyer isn't familiar with yeah. uh, these type of deals? It's ridiculous. Good question. It is super important. It took us about five years of the last 10 to find an attorney in a title company that can do this in 32 states in the US. And I'll give you an example of how hard it can be. We had a student that traveled to Israel on a vacation. He said to me, oh, what am I going to do? I just got this deal. I said, I'll take care of it. I'll call and get you an attorney. It was in New Jersey. I called four attorneys in a row, Corey, that told me, no, you can't do sub two here. And I know you can. So <laughs> I called my attorney here and he finally found me this company that does it in 32 states. And they said, yeah, we'll close it like within a week. So the importance is to your question is go with an attorney that all they do, or at least a majority is creative real estate. If not, you are completely wasting your time. So basically kill the deal on you. They'll tell you, no, I can't do it. Yeah. Or it's illegal or whatever. They just wrong. And too bad. It's like you go to a divorce attorney and asking them for estate planning. You just got to stay in your right lane. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I've checked out your website. You've written books. Maybe if you could just share some success stories and what kind of level, like if someone enter your program, what kind of basic knowledge should they have starting out? Like I'm a licensed realtor, but obviously a lot of your students wouldn't be, right? I have both. Most of them are not. It's probably 10% are. Yeah. You know, what kind of base knowledge or can you come in kind of not knowing a whole lot of anything and you'll basically your program's going to get them up to speed and what they need to do? So I'll answer a few things that most don't and they go through our quantum leap system, which is it's a course, but it's also an online resource center because they use it all the time. Agreements are in there and you know, it's not just a once I go through this, I'm done. We update it constantly. So it's real time. It's like a living, breathing, changing, evolving. So they go through that. Some people do find us because they've got a significant wholesale or flipping business. And that market's changing right now, as you probably know. I mean, it's tighter right now to do that. So we're getting a huge demand now because of the economy and the interest rates for owner financing and creative financing in general. So they come into the table, they come to the table, so to speak, with some experience, but not creative. We were in a room of wholesalers that were like 10 and $20 million businesses, like big wholesalers. When we went over creative, you might've thought had an asparagus growing out of our forehead. Like they <laughs> had no idea what we were talking about. So they love it once they get to know it. As far as success stories, I'll give you two. So we love when people can move out of their J-O-B, right? That's their goal. And it's not everybody's goal. Brian in Chicago came in. He was an elevator salesman. He was in corporate. He was traveling on a plane every other week. His son literally was getting older saying to him, I, I don't want you to travel. So it got emotional. He left. He said to me, I'm going to be one of your top students. A lot of people say that. Within nine months, he left his job. He did his first eight deals with us. He did them all lease purchase with a $10 deposit. And he accumulated three paydays of like 838 grand on those first eight deals. Wow. That's a game changer. That would be someone that's just basically hit it out of the park, right? That's like... Yeah, that's not your norm. He's yeah. a discipline. He told me day one, here's what I'm going to do. He listened to scripts in his headphones. Like he was committed to do it, 100%. It sounds crazy, but he did what you're supposed to do, right? But not everybody does that. <laughs> yeah. And how long do you think someone committed to something like this that they're learning? Yeah. How quickly should they expect some sort of yep. success? Biggest question. So we track obsessively 
what we call TTFD, time to first deal. Because if I can get you doing a deal, the shortest time possible, you're not leaving. There's no way you're leaving because it's too lucrative with the three paydays. So if I can manage your expectations to say, put the blinders on for three years, doesn't take you long to do a deal, but three years so that when you get a curveball, because you will in business, you won't quit. Our TTFD right now is about 153 days. Now that counts the guy, Adam, who just did in Wisconsin, just did two deals in his first 32 days. And that counts the person that came in and said, you know what, if I just do a deal a year and just kind of pokes around, we count them all. So yep. the whole community is 153 right now. And we're working real hard to get that tighter and tighter. That's amazing that you track that metric as well, right? That's all we do. There's too many companies that you probably talk to some educators. They just, they really good at marketing. So they market to you, they sell you a product and then you're on your own. And then you get frustrated and then you say, this doesn't work. And then you beat yourself. It's a cycle. I hear it. People call me and say, I haven't made any money. I tried this. I spent all this money. How about just getting a program that works? We do deals with the students interactively. So if you're doing a deal, I'm on the phone with you and your seller if I have to, or you and your buyer, my son would be. It's interactive. So you learn on the fly. Yeah, it is the difference where you're still in the game. You're still doing it. You're still actively yeah. doing the deals as well, right? Oh, yeah. I love it. I keep calls next to my phone. So in between coaching people, I'm doing my own calls because I love doing deals. Yeah, that's amazing. Part of your program is talks about uh, so mindset, skills, and systems, right? So yeah. Those are the three things you're going to build. Obviously, everybody knows mindset's important. So how do you help your students kind of get the right mindset? Yeah, it's so much bigger than people think. And I know people hear this every time. Go, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. It's so much bigger because the only thing holding you back to becoming an entrepreneur, especially if you have a J-O-B now, is you. Here's how we do it. Any coach we use, like I use a woman by the name of Dr. Amanda. She's amazing. So my son-in-law brought her in the community about, gosh, it was before COVID, so 18-ish. She comes on mastermind calls. She's speaking at our next event, personally coached with her, my son-in-law has. So anyone we use that we know is good, we'll bring them to the scene. Every fourth Thursday, we have the mastermind calls that go weekly, but it's a specifically mastermind mindset call. So we theme that because that's the biggest deal. People come in and stop beating themselves up if they can't get a deal tomorrow. So that's what we just constantly insert that. The second thing we do is, we have a course called The 31 Day Billionaire. It's all on mindset with Dr. Joe Vitale. I don't know if you know that name from The Secret. He's written yep. about 80 books. He spoke at our event and then he filmed with us this course. And it's meant to you to go on there like eight to 18 minutes a day, not long, and do one video for 31 days and then rinse and repeat and keep doing it. But that's what The 31 Day Billionaire is, all mindset. Amazing. And then you got the skills and that's the stuff you guys are going to teach as well. You know, get the deals, how to actually process them and the systems is the follow-up, that kind of stuff, is it? Like what type of systems would someone need to have in order to be successful? We give them like a list of the resources we use because to your point, we're in the field and things like CRMs, property specific CRMs too, where they can pull certain lists, um, research properties, et cetera. So all systems like that. And then our internal systems, like in our course, here's all our checklists. When you get a deal, here's when you get this deal, when you get this deal, when you sell it, when you buy it, all the systems are there for them. So they don't have to recreate the wheel. You know, I wish it was just skill set, Corey, because I could teach someone to do a deal real easy. If they go on YouTube and type in smart real estate code, they can see, I don't know what we're up to, probably 240 deals. I just post them and we whiteboard and we show the good, the challenge, everything. So that's the skill set. You think, okay, well, then why doesn't everybody just do that? Okay, I got it and go do deals because the mindset comes into play and yeah. the expectations come into play and life comes into play. So you need all that. You need all of them. Definitely. And then you mentioned you had Canadian students in your program. So if I were a Canadian student and I joined your program, is there a way that you can kind of adjust some of the strategies so a person could still do this type of stuff in Canada and not have to be buying yeah. in, in the U.S.? There's only two things that come to mind when we talk to the Canadian group. And that is one, 
the agreements are a little different. So we've got them all. They're in the course. You just there's Texas agreements and Canadian agreements that are different than our regular. Fine. They're in the modules. Secondly, data. Data is a little bit tougher to get, as you know, in Canada. That's the only difference. Now, what's really cool about Canada is if I'm tracking the way I've heard it over and over is most of your loans require like a 20% down, right? Conventional yeah. loan. It is, unless you're there's some they have your first time buyer, that yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, generally speaking, it's a 20% down. Not, so what's cool about that is there's no convincing people, my payday one situation. Hey, when you come in this home, we accept you, you got to get to 20%, or at least over time get to 20% while you're in the house. They'll go, okay, because they get it. So that's a big plus. There's pros and cons every market. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you mentioned some people, so part of your program, you have students that come in and say, look, I want to leave my career. You know, yeah. I was once in that place myself. I was, you know, sick of my job. So then there's a bit of a strategy to like kind of build enough of a portfolio to basically reach that goal. Yeah, because picture the guy, oh, excuse Brian. So Brian puts eight deals on a spreadsheet, let's say, and he sees his payday ones, great, they're done. He sees his payday twos over time. And then he sees his payday threes that are all different maturity dates, maybe three years, five years, two years. That you can get real predictable, take six months off if you want, whatever you want to do, or scale up, right? But it's very predictable. And you're not in that one transaction. You know, as a realtor, we were doing 100 homes a year. I come to January, I'd be like, oh man, I got to do that again. You know, so it's very transactional versus yep. having those three paydays. We're getting close to the end here. Just going to hit you a couple personal questions and help yeah. people get in touch with you. I want to circle back to your podcast. You know, you've been around for quite a long time. You've had some big name guests on your show. So what's the name of the podcast? It's just smartrealestatecoachpodcast.com. Okay. And then how often do you put out a show? It's once a week now. We're up to about 420 episodes. So. Yeah. And you've got some books and stuff. It'll all be in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. What kind of stuff do you like doing with your downtime? Yeah. My wife and I like taking on side projects like a rehab or a build. We also like traveling and creating some experiences is our goal now. Creating experiences, meaning for family. You can't buy that. That's creating experiences and being with them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then favorite book or quote that you could recommend? The two books I always do, I couple them together is Shoe Dog, The Nike Story, amazing business book and life lesson book, and also Ray Dalio's Principles. They're both phenomenal rereads. They're great books. Amazing. Best way for people to get in touch with you or find out more about your program? I'll give you two ways to do it. Big on free so that they can figure out if they like the niche. One is I'll give you a whole tribe. Anyone who wants to put their name down, there's no cost. The free book, the best-selling book, Real Estate on Your Terms. It'll be the hard copy book. And it's not one of those offers, Curry, that says free, but you got to put your credit card for shipping. We'll ship it. <laughs> it doesn't matter where they are. The link, wickedsmartbooks, wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Corey, the number one. Corey with a numeric number one. Okay. Secondly, there's a master's class. If you don't mind listening to me for 55 more minutes, they can get a free class. It goes through sort of A through Z. How do we buy? Why do they do it? And that's at smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash masters with an S, masters class. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking some time and being on the show today. You bet. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate you having me. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peckford. I'm an investment-focused real estate agent in Calgary, Alberta. I'm also an entrepreneur, Red Seal electrician, and I hold a Master Home Inspection Certification. If you're thinking about investing in the Calgary area, please reach out and let me put my real estate expertise to work for you. I can be reached at 587-893-2272. Follow me on Instagram at Peckford Corey, or my website is coreypeckford.com. Plus, we have a Facebook group. It's Calgary Real Estate Investing Group, so Craig for short. Please follow that. If you're getting great value from this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.